Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Welcome to episode 12 of the 9 to 5 Killers podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Graham. And joining me today is Broadway performer, voiceover actor, and headshot photographer, Miss Xanthi Elbrick. Welcome to the show, Xanthi. Glad to have you on the show. Glad to be here. I'm so mesmerized by your voice, I'm not, not going to be able to answer any questions. <laughs> Seriously. I just need to put you in touch with my voiceover agent. Yeah? Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Yeah, it's gold. Yeah, so I hear a little bit of an accent. Where are you from? Um, I am from uh, the east of England. My dad is from upstate New York, so I'm half and half. So w- were you born in England or were you born here? I was born in England. Born in England. At what age did you come over here? Uh, six months. Six months old? Yeah. <laughs> so you basically are. Okay, okay. I get it. I get it. So um, your mom your mom stayed here and your dad stayed in England? No, they, they both, my dad's American. Oh, he's American. Yeah, okay, they, they, stayed, but they stayed here. But they sent us to school in England. They sent you to school in England? Yeah. At what age? Uh, 10. 10. 10 yeah. to what? 10 to 20. 10 to 20. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> How many brothers and sisters do you have? And one brother and two sisters. One brother and two sisters. And how was that coming up? So you're the... Youngest. You're the youngest. So how was it like coming up being the youngest? Uh, I got to watch a lot of mistakes and learn a lot. Interesting. So what, what did you learn? What mistake did you learn? You don't have to go in particular about which um, sibling, but what did you learn? What mistake did you learn from one of your siblings? Um, for business-wise. Watching them do things out of uh, obligation and duty and thinking, doing what people, they thought people wanted them to do and watching them be unhappy with those choices. I find that people tend to do that just as a, as a, a fail safe. They, they, do, yeah. they figure like, you know, I want to make sure that I'm doing the best for someone else and they don't, they always put themselves last. Yeah, they do. What made you, is that something that you find that you ever had a problem with or struggled with or you never had a problem with it? No, I never had a problem with it. Never? No, I never did. I always really just did what I wanted to do. And it wasn't a case of like being an entitled child. It was actually more that my parents didn't throw a lot of attention on me and they didn't tell me what to do. Mm. So I, that gave me permission. Yeah. You know, and my dad always said, whatever you do, we'll be proud of you. So that's pretty great. That's pretty great. Doesn't put a lot of pressure on you. But it also, does, it also, so is that something, so one of the things that you do is, you do voiceovers, mm-hmm. right? So what do you, so who do you do voiceover for and for how long? Um, I do voiceover for Star Wars video game, The Old Republic, and I've been doing it for 11 years now. Wow, so it's like a steady. It's a steady. And I play the Sith Inquisitor, which is the basically the head of the, all the, the planets or the worlds that the game has provided for them. We have to make more. Wow. And every time a movie comes out, we have to make more. So that's, that's like job stability. <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, yeah, the producer always says, we'll have you till you're 80. Is that okay, Zan? How did you even um, start doing that? Um, I was professionally acting in New York and um, 
And I was on stage and on Broadway and uh, an agent saw me up there and I was playing a child. I was playing a seven-year-old boy. So they said, well, we see you can do a child well. Can you come do audio books for kids? And then out of that, just, just like that, I got an audition for Star Wars and, and the rest is history. So you mentioned uh, that you, uh, before we were talking earlier, that you had a voice, a voice coach. Or not a voice coach, a, vo- a voice... Uh, agent. A voice agent, excuse me. You have a voice agent. How did you arrive to have a voice agent? That is the person that saw me in that show. And um, at that time, I, I was getting a lot of, um, I was getting a lot of attention because I was nominated for these various awards. And so people were coming to see the show because it was getting a lot of press. And she happened to be in the audience one night and um, she just signed me and I got really lucky. Well, I find that, you say lucky, but I find that when people say luck, They've been working for a long time doing something. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so on one podcast I had, like a few different entrepreneurs said, you know, uh, they, there's this quote that successful people leave footprints. So what footprints did you follow to lead you to your luck? Um, I always used to have, um, af- I, I, I used to use affirmations my whole life without realizing I was using them. And I used to just say, you know, when I was in grad school, for example, I used to say, all I want to do when I get out of here is work with the best of the best. And I basically just saying that out loud enough to myself set the trajectory. And so I started moving in that direction. And before I knew it, I was, you know, just putting myself in the right situations where I was like, you know, interacting with, with people of high talent and wanting to spend time with them. And then one thing leads to the next, you know. Wow, because yeah, it's true. I find that when you elevate the people that you hang around with, then yeah. the opportunities are there. Raises your game. It raises your game and you yeah. know that you have to step it up. Because we were talking earlier and, and, and one thing that I was mentioning is that when I'm around somebody, uh, I don't want them to be at the same level. I don't want them to stay at the same level. I want them to rise up because when they raise their level up, it forces me to match their intensity or go beyond. Mm-hmm. So you find that with, with in acting as well? Mm-hmm, for sure. I also, in a funny way, um, have never really understood competition as a concept. Like I think that every human is so unique that competition almost doesn't exist, hasn't existed in my mind because I'm too different from everybody else. Right. So I can't offer something that so-and-so over there is going to offer. So if I didn't get a job or if I didn't get something, I just knew that that meant the right thing was just around the corner What's for me. around the corner, right. Because they, they, they also say like the, the unique power is that no one else is you. So yeah. you are your own unique person. So that's why, but you know what, what I find is people try to, not the people so much, but I find that when someone finds something that works well, they try to find other things that are similar. Like you ever notice when they, like there's an actor and they go, well, he sounds just like this person or this one. They look for the similarity rather than what is different. Uh-huh. Uh, and I find that with success, a person sees a successful person yeah. and they only know the where the person ended up. They don't know the story of how the person got there. And they sure. kind of focus on the, instead of the process, they focus on the result. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Keep going with that idea because something just came to me that (laughs) I wanted to ask you. Sure, sure. So they focus on the, you know, on the result rather than the process. And there is a process on how someone got anywhere in life, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't have to take their process. You can use it as a baseline Mm -hmm. and then you can adapt it to yourself. Mm -hmm. But I find that people think, okay, like for example, let's say if one year you did 
you know, three years of mentoring and four years of this, and, and it made you the president of this company somehow. Mm -hmm. After you've done that, and a few people have done it, now you got to change the formula because a bunch of other people will be doing the same thing, and now the level has to change, mm -hmm. times change, everything changes, so the formula needs to be tweaked. Mm -hmm. And I find that people think they can do what, what someone did five, 10 years ago, exactly how they did it and, and get the same results. Right, right. I've always really believed in finding your own formula because mm -hmm. as, as we go back to uniqueness, like the good thing about being an entrepreneur or being a freelancer is that you there is no ladder to climb. Like there is no corporation, there's a ladder in a corporation, right? right? And then right. yes, you can watch everybody else and try and emulate their formula. But actually when you're honing your own skills, which hopefully have come out of a place of joy because then you're, you're loving what you're doing yeah. and it's only gonna grow in a positive direction. Only then do you start creating your own formula that it's nothing to do with anyone else. It comes back to the, the, the competitive aspect, right? right? It doesn't exist. The only person you're really ever competing with is yourself. It's just, exactly. So. so, and you know what's good? The good thing when you are competing with yourself is you are providing the, the blueprint or the footprint. When it's someone else, you have to wait for them to do something and then you have to do something that they've done. And I always love, like one of the things that I love about, for example, about a pod, this podcast is that where most people are trying to find a voice, they're mm -hmm. like, well, I'm gonna do it like Joe Rogan, or I'm gonna do it like this person. They keep telling me, oh, people keep telling me, listen to Joe Rogan. No disrespect to Joe Rogan, but there are more podcasters besides Joe Rogan. The fact that he is popular now, mm -hmm. whoever's popular is who people want you to emulate. Mm -hmm. They don't understand that we and him have none of the same style, but they're just like, because they think it's a uh, um, formula that works, they don't care how they get to where they want as long as you get there. And I, I figure what sense is it to get somewhere when you lose yourself? Mm -hmm. So absolutely. Also, you know, work, work begets work. And if it's, if, if your, your, your podcast is based on truth, essentially, right. It's based mm -hmm. on your truth because it comes out of a natural instinct and uh, want to know about other people. And if you have that um, inclination to just learn about other people and be interested in them, then you're growing all the time. But if yeah. you are basically just like setting a pattern for yourself to follow, you're not growing. And then who right. wants to listen to that? No, not me. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to listen to that. No, no. So truth, they want truth. You want the truth and you want, you want to get, you know, you want to get to the truth and you want it to be, and the truth is can be entertaining. Yeah. Um, which brings me to another question. Yeah. The last official, like, have you ever worked a nine to five? Oh my God, I'm old enough that I'm trying to remember. Yes, I absolutely have. It's been a while. Um, what, what? Which one do you remember? If you can, if you can recall. I was working at a seed factory. A seed factory? Uh-huh. What's that? Like I was, oh, that sounds scientific in this day and age, doesn't it? Yeah, a little it does. bit. No, it was sorting packets of seeds. Oh, <laughs> when you said a seed factory, you know what I thought, right? I thought it was like with all this HCB, whatever they talk about. I thought it was like weed seeds. I was like, what? There's a job for that? <laughs> well, then, then I wouldn't have killed that nine to five. No, you wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, yeah. so you were in a seed factory sorting seeds. So how long did you, how long did you, uh, did you stay doing oh, this I job? Oh, I stayed there for about, um, Three months. Three months. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what made you, what was, the, what was the defining moment that you said, I'm going to work for myself? Not that, not that, that job in particular, but what, what made you say, I want to do this thing, which is entrepreneur, which is freelance on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it wasn't conscious in terms of defining that I wanted to be entrepreneurial and freelance in my, mm -hmm. in the, in the way that I was working. It was more that, as I say, said before, following what made me happy mm -hmm. because if you 
you know, if you're following what makes you happy, you really just can't get wrong. Right. Because you're not trying to make anyone else happy. Like we're talking about with expectations of parents or people around you or trying to be something that everyone else wants you to be. It's just not going to, it's just not going to go and it's not going to grow. Right. So I think I just got a little addicted to, uh, to feeling happy. And I, I knew already that, that basically the theater and being creative was, was something that made me really happy. So I just thought, well, what can I do where I can do that all the time? You know? That's smart. And I think a lot of people, we don't, we don't, we tend not to look at that because um, we were talking earlier and I, I find that I usually get into arguments with friends and family members who always went to school. Mm-hmm. I was never the good student. Mm-hmm. So now outside of school, I'm flourishing because um, there was never a game plan that I followed. Mm -hmm. So now things that where it's kind of like the matrix where you see a door. Mm -hmm. I don't see a door where you see a spoon is uh, not bent. (laughs) I don't see a spoon. I just see opportunity. Totally. So how do you, do you understand that? Or do you struggle with that at all? Well, get a little bit more meat to it. Yeah. Um, Well, well in the case of when, let's say you, you have a a sibling or you have a friend and they see things in, through the traditional way it's done. Sure. And they they only see it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, no matter if it's working or not, they do it in that way. And you are able to come and attack it in a way in which uh, it's of your own choosing. It's mm-hmm. like working in the real world. It works in the real world. Because things that work in, 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 like I say, a classroom setting mm-hmm. doesn't work in the real world. Mm-hmm. Not everything, but some things. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. I think I think it was just it's just figuring out that you're going to spend fifty percent, if not more than fifty percent, of your time working, and that if you can understand that work can equal play, you know, mm-hmm. as a creative person, right? You 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 know that work is not. You want to spend your life happy, right? Yeah. So why would we spend any time doing anything that didn't make us happy? Right. Well, I think it's it's also the mindset, right? Because right. even even when I I even found even the things that I don't enjoy, there's jobs because I've sometimes I work for people and I don't enjoy working for them. Even things that you know that pay me really well, right? And I'm like, I don't really want to do this thing, but you know, it'll pay me, and it's it's um for a few for like a few hours, right? And I'm mm. saying I'm gonna do this thing. What makes me able to do them mm-hmm. is that my mind first. I start to say, what am I going to gain from this? Mm-hmm. And I try to find all the positive things mm-hmm. that's going to help me. Like I'm going to deal with a person who I make, cause you're not going to always deal with a person that's always fun and you know, mm-hmm. right. So that's the first thing. Sure. So I'm getting, I'm, I'm able to deal with a person who's, um, let's say whose personality I don't necessarily want to hang around with, but I'm, it's going to come up again. The mm-hmm. second thing might be, I'm learning a skill or I'm going to hone in on a skill that I, that I haven't got a chance to work on. Yep. And I'm going to do it in a way in which I would have never done it. Yeah. So those are three things. I'm like, you know what? And so when I, when I say, you know what? I'm going to learn something different. I'm going to deal with a different personality. I'm yeah. going to add it to my arsenal. I, I become happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we uh, learn the most from the hardest jobs. You know? Yes. We don't learn very much from things that are easy for us. No, we don't. And I don't mean miserable jobs. Like, and, and like you say, it's about really finding, it's finding the gold, the little piece of gold in every single person that we deal with. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like our first impression of them when they're like, they may be being all crazy and we think that whatever. Yeah. Um, we can get caught up in, in, in judging that, you know, humans get really caught up in judging. and But we can also just find the humor in it. Right. And I think finding the humor in everything is key because yeah. you can al- always get something great out of it. Yes, no, this is true. What do you, what do you think, 
what was the what would be the most challenging job you've ever had um freelance or working with somebody uh, and how did you overcome that challenge um the one of the most challenging jobs i ever had was um was photographing uh, I didn't, I don't know if I mentioned to you, but I'm a photographer as well. And, um, <clears throat> I was photographing Meryl Streep's daughter's wedding and it was the second wedding I'd ever shot, but I didn't let them know that of course. Right. I right, was just, right. um, you know, and, uh, I, I realized within the first 10 minutes of the job, I said, okay, on one hand I can get really intimidated by this client and everything that they may expect of me because they work with high quality individuals all the time and high quality production values all the time. Or I can just trust, I just have to trust that if I start to enjoy what I'm doing right now, the product will be good. Right. Just had to trust that, mm-hmm. you know? And so when you start rolling with it like that, you forget all the, the framework and the, and the crap that you, that you build around it in your head and the fear that you put around it. And when you're having fun, it goes back to finding the truth in the situation, right? And then out of that only comes good. That makes so, sense. You know, it makes it makes total sense. And so, how did the how did the how did the wedding go? How did the- great? They were so happy because I think also you know I I okay on the lines of of pers- of truth and emotional truth mm-hmm. and emotional intelligence. I think um, as a photographer and as an actor, I think these are how the two worlds emerged for me, and that is capturing and communicating truth. Right. Okay. So when, when shooting something like that, it's really about watching what's happening with, with people and capturing the moments as they really are. Like in photography alone, I don't really um, specialize in posed work at all. You know, everything is in the moment. Right. So that, so that I'm capturing truth. And because truth is what resonates with people when they receive that information. So then, then they're looking at that photograph or they're watching that play or whatever it is. If it's based on truth, they'll remember it. Mm, that's very We forget the lies, right? You forget the lies. Yeah. And so it was funny. So, and also what I'm, I'm taking away from it is that at some point you realize these are just people. Right. Like, because what happens is I, I find that when, you know, no matter who the person is, how big they are, yeah. this is, they obviously have some faith in you. Right? Totally. So they, so you landed yourself here and all you have to do is remember that a mother looking at her child being mm-hmm. married is a mother. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter totally. it's Meryl Street, doesn't matter totally. it's uh anybody. Absolutely. So you you connected with that human side of them. Right. And that's what okay. You put it so much better than I did. That is exactly <laughs> what I've been trying to say for the last five minutes. <laughs> no, no. No, cuz I've definitely been as a photographer too, you know, I'm a photographer. Yeah. And so I've definitely uh, I've definitely been getting inside my head about something. And then I realized, I'm like, this is a person. You know, how would I feel if I was in this situation? I would want the photographer to do well. Mm-hmm. So people, for the most part, they they want you to do well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's, Absolutely. Not, it's, not, it's not like you're on an audition and she's like, well, I want you to fail. She wants you to do well. So yeah. anything you've asked, they would have given it to you. And, if, and so that's the... Yeah. 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 And plus all that, that thing about being a successful freelance or entrepreneur, people want you, the, your client wants you to make their life easier mm-hmm. and their life is easier when they're having fun. Right. right? So mm-hmm. if you're making it fun for them, that is using, so this is where we get back to like using emotional intelligence mm-hmm. to, to guide, guide the way for us as opposed to strategy, you know, framework mm-hmm. crap. Right. 
push it away. You know, but it, it's, it's funny because we, we start out with people needing a framework, right? Because yeah. they want they want to feel some kind of control. So one of the things that I've been researching recently is leadership styles. Mm-hmm. And there are some leaders that they lead the same person no matter who it is the same way. <laughs> the problem that is that when you're dealing with art, artistic people and people who are in the arts and they have a certain skill level. It may be it may be beyond what the manager is used to dealing with or the, or the boss is used to dealing with, yeah. but he still tries to manage them as a low level, like entry level sure. person, right? So the problem with that is now you have these people who they know the job, you, you were smart enough to hire them. Now you have to also be smart enough to get out of their way and let them make mistakes mm-hmm. and then correct them on the mistakes mm-hmm. if they make them. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Instead of like going there and micromanaging and having your hand and uh, and it brings up a, a point to that I'm dealing with at at the moment actually. There's a um, there's a um, uh, two artists that I'm dealing with and they're doing some work for me, some graphic work. Mm-hmm. Now I used to be a graphic artist, so I like to give graphic artists a little bit of space to yeah. do what they got to do. Right. But I gave them something to do and they did two things that were not what I asked for. Okay. So. Instead of like going like what some people would do and, and, and making it a big deal, I said, you know, I really like the hat that you've done. Um, I didn't like the shirt. I said, however, the shirt is not what I asked for, but you know, and they told me why they did it the way they did it. And okay. I said, going forward, could we, could we do, could you give me mock-ups? Uh-huh. Uh, like we discussed it this way, we won't waste your time, my time and your materials. Yeah. Because basically I can't pay for it. So I don't want, my thing is, I don't want the person to feel that they did something wrong. Absolutely. Uh, and cause I, I want to work with them. For so sure. at that moment, having been in, on, on their end and just realized that they were just trying to give me a better product and give me something new and different. Mm-hmm. They did stuff that I didn't ask them to. Mm-hmm. Um, they took a leap of faith and they didn't say, Oh, well, we're not gonna, well, you got to pay for it. They were just like, they took a, a leap. It didn't work. See me, what I would do is I would actually do what the client asked me to mm-hmm. and then do another version of it. Mm-hmm. That's that's from my experience. Right, right. That's always like giving giving the extra going the extra mile is also a big yeah. one, right? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 it's interesting that you say, right, so they gave you the hat, the shirt, you didn't like the shirt, but you honed in on the positive, which is again bringing us back to this theme of like of finding the joy. Because yeah. if we communicate through positives, people respond and then they then they expand and then they, they were able to take your direction. Right. Like a great director in the world of theater will give positive direction and say, you know what, I want more of this. A, a not so great director will say, that's terrible. What you're doing is terrible. Right. Right. I don't want you to cry in that moment. And all the actor hears is, cry I don't, he doesn't want me to cry and then the mm. actor starts crying the whole time right. it, it's like a you know we just hear we hear what we hear we hear we hear yeah and and so you you've um you've touched on the, the acting part so have you had any acting um coaches ever yeah many acting coaches yeah and so what was um something memorable about any of them that you know that helped you get to your next level um in terms of you know wow that's there have been a lot. There have been a lot. Um, I think the most valuable um, was Charlize Theron back in like you know the early two thousands, and she she came to teach at my at the school I was at in New mm-hmm. York City, which was um, the Actors Studio, and same thing. She was talking about emotional truth and bringing right. that into any any um, situational role that you're playing. Um, 
And at that very time, she had just done that film, Monster. Do you remember that film? I saw the, the trailer. I didn't watch it yet. Yet. All right. yeah. well, I'm going to watch it because you just said it. I'm going to watch it's it. Pretty, it's pretty heavy, it's but good? it's you okay. know, it's a true story. It's about Eileen Warnos, who was a serial killer in Florida, okay. right? And and um, Actually, I did see that. Yes, you did. I, I knew you had. <laughs> I just didn't know that was the title. Yes, I saw it. Right, so it was just, the, it was about that time she had she had produced that film herself, right? right. Because she wanted to, to, to focus on a subject that people were afraid to, to focus on, you know? And we got into a discussion about um, embracing mistakes, mm. okay? And, and she was, in, in effect, actually embracing this other person's mistakes, you know, right. this, this serial killer's mistakes, and making it into a, a piece of, of art for people to, to watch and, you know, reflect on way bigger issues, capital punishment, everything else in this country. Right. But what I learned from that discussion was also embracing my own mistakes. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yes. Not to compare myself with a serial killer, but no, but you know what I'm saying. I'm saying yeah, yeah, and we we learn way more from that. And so, I don't know. Was your your question then said? Did did you say what did that lead to, or did you just say no? Well, how how did it bring you up as an actor? So you you've definitely answered the question. Okay, good. So it's it's helped you because even for me, like embracing a mistake is uh, for me is something that I had to learn to deal with because I've been making mistakes all my life, right? Yeah. Um, and more than I th I think more than most people because like I was not trying really in the beginning. Uh -huh. I just wasn't trying. I was like, you know, if I'm going to be bad, I'll be the worst, right? Sure, sure. That, so that's in itself is um, embracing something. Yes. But now that I'm trying to, um, you know, set the record and change the story, of course, people that know you have some resistance to the new person because they only know you in one way. Mm -hmm. So I have to, when I make a mistake, because I know that some of them may be thinking, yeah, that's, that's the old guy coming back. I have, to be, I have to be mindful to say to myself, that's a growth process. And nobody was down by one mistake. It's about what do you do from it? What did you learn right, from it? Right, right. So as long as you're learning from a mistake, yeah. then no one's going to keep you captive to the person you used to be. Totally, right? totally. We can make mistakes. Absolutely. So, yeah. But that I think is also the challenge in like personal relationships. Mm -hmm. On every level, work, play, you know, but uh, that people do hold you to your past a little bit. They do. And they, they, they will preempt how you're going to behave. Mm -hmm. And then that limits your growth. Yeah. Right? It, it does only in the case of, so because me, I, I always, I'm over analytical. So I ask myself, did I put something out there, right? Because sure. what happens is, like it's something that I, I tell, I even told my girlfriend when we first got together, she asked me would I ever lie to her? And I said, yes, of course. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, I'll only lie where the truth is not welcome. So if you don't welcome the truth, someone's gonna lie to you. But if you always show someone that, listen, no matter what it is, tell me, people, you, the things that people tell me, cause they think that it doesn't hurt my feelings. It does hurt my feelings. It's just that I accept it. And so they tell me, I, learn, I, I grow so much because people think, oh, he doesn't care. I'll tell him the truth. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it hurts, but I'd rather that than somebody, you know, tell me something's great or they tell me that I'm improving on something and I'm not. So I make a lot of improvements by embracing, you know, the truth, no matter how bad it is, you could tell me what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I can accept it, you know? So if you lie, it's only your discomfort with it. But most people are not comfortable, are comfortable telling you the truth if you can accept it. They only feel like they're only uncomfortable feeling bad about if they hurt your feelings. Once you tell them your feelings are off the table, mm -hmm. the, people, the things that people tell me, 
I have people confess to cheating on me. I have people tell me all types of stuff that maybe you don't want to know at the time, but mm -hmm. but you're better for it for because sure. then you realize that you're living in the truth. Like you're living in like you have, and then it makes a person feel better because when someone has to lie to you, yeah. that's why people ghost us to people and walk away. Yeah. There's still people that feel they have to lie to me and I know when they're lying to me, I can look them in their face and I can tell they're lying and then they distance themselves afterwards because they feel guilty about it. Yeah. And it's a burden that they don't really have to carry. I don't take it personally. I take it personally, but not in the point of that I feel you know, something wrong with you. Yeah. Uh, it's more like that's good to know. Yeah. You know? Totally. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a gift. And, and you know, hopefully as you as we move through life, we can separate the wheat from the chaff mm. when it comes to personal relationships and friendships and everything yeah. else. And actually recently I've really learned to do that because um, loss gives you that, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. personal loss. Like in the past 18 months, I've lost 14 people close to me. Wow. And one of them was my dad. Ooh, and the thing about that, thank you. But the thing about that is that very quickly when those people leave, they give us such a gift, you know, when they go in um, giving us clarity. And, you know, we'll be hanging out with the people we hang out with and then suddenly realize, oh, that dynamic is very unhealthy for me. I need to remove myself yes. from that dynamic, right? Yes. And what we, what, what I'm listening when I listen to you talk about that and, and, tr and people being truthful for you with for you and to you is that I wish you know I think that's the greatest gift you can give anybody and yeah. I wish that of my friendships and I am seeking that after going through loss yeah. I seek that you know and the more truthful relationships you can have in your life the more you'll be truthful to yourself right, right and right. then the more you'll grow in the ways that the universe intended for you to grow. No, you're right. And another thing is like, as a, especially as, a, as an entrepreneur, right? Uh, you're gonna work with all different types of people. Mm -hmm. And one thing about it is you're gonna deal with different personalities. Mm -hmm. And so when someone is truthful to you about how you handle the situation, like I'll give you an example. Um, there was, a, there was a, a friend of mine who was an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and she had a person that works for her. And, um, she had a client. So let's say the client, the new client was, you know, had a bit of an attitude. Mm -hmm. She was going to get, let her worker work with this woman who she didn't want to work with. And I said, well, why are you doing that? She was like, well, I don't want to work with her. And I said, well, you know, as a, as a leader, you, you have to, if the most difficult clients you should take and the ones that, um, cause you know, if you can't deal with it, your, your employee won't be able to. And, and, and even if she could, why would you want to dump that on somebody? Mm -hmm. Maybe this woman is not a client you want to keep. If you can't deal with her personally, then maybe it's not a client for you to keep. Cause sure. me personally, after seeing, after working for so many, um, bad leaders, I've worked with some bad ones. I've worked with some good ones. The good ones always took on the toughest clients mm -hmm. and the bad ones always shuffled off the the nightmares to us. Right. And I never understood that. So I always know, I know the difference between if, if I, if I am in a situation and I have a difficult client, I decide, do I want them in my business? And if I do want them in my business, even though they're difficult, yeah. I'm going to take them on yeah. personally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a conscious choice to be stretched. Yeah. Right. Because when you choose to take those people on, you know, you will be stretched by that. And that's gutsy. Yeah. And a lot of people want to take a nap and not deal with that. Precisely. Right. But that, that all comes hand in hand with a work ethic and, you know, wanting to be being driven by working hard and loving what you do and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. 
that it's part and parcel. Dealing with difficult personalities is part and parcel of what we do. Yeah, and also dealing with like, so what we've seen other people do. So one thing, one good thing about being a good leader is once you know how something made you feel. Mm-hmm. Like I know how I felt when, when, when a powerful leader took over a nightmare from me and I'm like, wow, they're gonna deal with that when they don't have to? Mm-hmm. And what that said to me was, here is a person or a leader that is willing to do the thing that they don't have to do to show me that they are one with me. Mm-hmm. They are in the trenches with me. The one that's gonna throw me under the bus with this nightmare and just go off and have a, a pina colada and then I have to drink beers after work to, to, <laughs> to get over the nightmare. That is the type of people that I wanna avoid being. Mm-hmm. So I always think about how I, I feel when someone shoves off a difficult person to me, mm-hmm. you know? Especially when you're in a, in, a, in a position of power. Absolutely, yeah, you absolutely. Know? And I think as an entrepreneur, you're mm. always in a position of power. Sure. And you, if you decide that for yourself also, it's about deciding. It's not, you know, because there are some entrepreneurs out in the world that probably think, oh, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I can only go so far. I can only do this much. I'm limited. Right. It's just me. Da, da, da. And they come up with all these reasons why they can't be like achieving the greatest and the biggest and the best. But no, you, you are the most powerful that you can possibly be, especially if you're truthful and honest with yourself. Yeah, well, I read a quote recently that said, um, think big, act big, and the things you do will be bigger. Yeah. You know, but if you think small, you know, and a lot of that comes from what you've seen and what people have told you or programmed into you. Right. You know, and I, and so I, I'm careful who I share things with. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that, you know, I know the word hate has been thrown around a lot, mm-hmm. but I don't think that it's that someone hates, it's that they lack the capacity to understand certain things. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that, I should be limited by their imaginations, right? No, 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 right. <laughs> or need their approval. Right, no, no. Other people's perception of us is not even, is, is, is really not relevant. It's not relevant. Who cares? No, I don't care. And I think as soon as we reach the point in our lives, which I think I, I feel like a common ground with you on that, like I think once we reach that point in our lives to just let ourselves be free, not only do we flourish, but everyone around us flourishes too. This is true. You know, like if I have a, I have a headshot business and if I have a, every client's different. I never know who I'm going to get. They show up, we shoot for an hour. I'm usually done with that within 45 minutes because I take nine frames a second. Right. And the whole time it's conversation and the conversation is not small talk. Okay. We were talking earlier about allergy to small, small talk. talk. There yeah. is no small talk to be had because what are we going to learn in that time? Nothing. Right? right. So we get down to it and we really talk about whatever comes up and and I, it's so funny because I find that it turns into this bizarre, like mutual therapy session or something, you know, where yeah. I'll be having a real conversation with someone. But in that time, the camera, by the way, has become a complete second thing. It's just happens to be there while I'm enjoying the company of this human being. Right. But because I'm enjoying them and they sometimes, hopefully, will be enjoying me too, right. I'll be snapping away and capturing every little moment that they're going through, right? So every image, that then I go through and, and get rid of all the blinkers and the bloopers and everything. But everything I'm left with is truthful and specific and honest, right? Yeah. And that is what, as a great, any great actor aims for in any moment that they are acting, mm-hmm. right? Because if it's specific and if it's honest, you know that whoever's going to look at their headshot any casting director, any agent or any film director or theater director is going to, that will resonate with them when they see the image of someone being truthful. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I know what you mean. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think when we stop trying to find that thing is when we find the truth. Yeah. It's when people try to invent, like my hardest 
or most challenging photo shoots have been where someone came in with a preconceived notion of what was going to happen. Totally. I mean, they come in there and they go, listen, don't shoot me from the left side. See me, I like to have a conversation about how's your day. I like to warm them up because I used to model as well. And oh, yeah. that's something that, that, that a lot of photographers didn't do. Right. They wouldn't, they wouldn't offer me a drink. No. Um, so you see how I am. I go a little overboard. Like when you come, I, I give you like fruits and stuff because I remember showing up to a photo shoots and the photographer or the person running the thing, they didn't care how I, if I, how I was doing Could I have a water? It was just like, okay, let's work. And they could have got so much more out of me and the other people. And I would always say that to myself, no matter what business that I'm in, I'm going to remember that to yeah. always make sure that I ask the person what they want. Yeah. It sets a nice tone. Mm -hmm. um, it makes you feel respected and mm -hmm. that the person cares. And I do like, I, I know what it's like to be like sitting here with your, with your throat parched and you're like, I'm so thirsty. Yeah, 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 yeah. People so want to be taken care of if they're yeah. paying for a service. And and as you say, just f like the basics. Like the basics. You, you, yeah, you offering food and drink at the, the, the start <laughs> of today, you know, it does set us off on the right foot. I feel taken care of and, you know, and basically... Um, <laughs> and you sound good. I was going to say cradled. <laughs> I didn't cradle you. <laughs> I didn't mean that. I didn't mean cradled. I don't know why that came to me because I'm talking about the basic needs, right? Of human beings. But you're right. I think it's really about checking in with, with, with who you're, who you're um, providing a service for, you know, yeah. and making them feel cared for. It's a yeah. really basic human need that we forget to add to, you know, when we hear the word professional, yeah. we don't, we don't like see in parentheses, taking care of that person right but if we add that element and we actually genuinely look out for them and ha and and you know engage with them on a on a truthful level everybody wins yeah no everybody wins especially when you i find that because we we live in a time now where it's providing a service right so i think about how can I how can I be help of service to this person mm -hmm. and in, re in return I'm, I'm being serviced right but but there's been this thing where people think that they can just, what can I get from you without giving you, giving you the least amount? But that is when people are not <laughs> understanding the joy of giving. Yes. Right? Exactly. Like it's so much more fun to give. And you will receive. Receiving is not very exciting. Right. Well, it depends. <laughs> it depends. Okay, 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 okay. You kind of walked into that one, but okay, okay, it depends. Okay. It can be very um, exciting. It can, it can be, be very exciting. exciting. But you know what I'm no, saying? I know, I know what you mean. No, it's like mean. it's it, and what's what's slightly um, sad about that in the world today is that we know that you and I know. Hopefully, I'm I'm thinking we both know this. That we both both know it. We know it. We know it. Is that if if people really did understand that, you know, um, they'd they'd be they'd get get so much more joy joy out of life. You were telling me a story earlier, and you could you know you remind me about that that moment on the subway. Mm -hmm, right. Right. When you gave up your seat for an older guy and yeah. you tell him by telling him you were getting off at the next stop. And you didn't just change his day. What, what a lot of people don't realize is that you changed your day. No, for sure. And I'll tell you another one. Um, Subway is so full of these stories. Yeah. There was, um, this was, this was like maybe two days ago. I was on the train. I'm sitting down. I was tired. I literally was like, I woke up at four. I worked out. I did legs. I was tired. There was no way that anybody was getting a seat from me. I'm sitting down. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I'm sitting down. I'm trying to ignore everybody. And uh, this woman stands over me and I didn't even look up. Right. And mm -hmm. then the other woman next to me looked up, noticed she was pregnant. 
So she starts getting up. I'm like, you know what, miss, no, no, you sit there. And so I got up, I gave the lady my seat. Mm-hmm. But then something happened that doesn't happen often to me as a guy. You delivered Another, the baby. I delivered the baby now. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, um, the lady, the young woman, it was a younger woman next to me, younger than me. Yeah. She offered me her seat Aww. and she wasn't even getting up. And I was like, I was like, this is interesting. Because yeah. I'll tell you something, as as a man in yeah. New York City, I can count the many times that somebody, anybody's offered me a seat. Yeah. And it, it, it kind of like, unless I, I'm like, you know, my, my foot was broke or something. And that, sure. that's definitely happened to me. But it felt good because I felt so happy in that moment because I was like, this is a younger woman mm-hmm. and she's giving up her seat. Mm-hmm. And she's setting a thing, a, um, a thing in motion. Totally. Because here I am thinking, you know, I'm doing something good, and I felt good to give this this pregnant woman her seat and have the lady sit down. Yeah. But I, but to top my day off was this woman giving me her seat. For sure. She doesn't have any idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No idea. Pay it forward. Yeah, it's, it's a great. big thing. Yeah. It's yeah. Great. So what are what are some of the things that you enjoy about um, what you're doing now? Like what, like all right, being an entrepreneur, what, what is something that you, maybe that you enjoy now that you didn't get to enjoy when you worked for someone? Um, you hear this a lot, I'm sure, but just being, uh, being my own boss and being in charge of my time um, and deciding how, how and when to work, you know? Um, also, I, I basically choose, I realized this recently, I really do choose my clientele without realizing it because my business has spread by word of mouth mainly and because it started with friends, that's only a good thing because, right. it, you know, as the ripples have gone out, all those people that come to me for their, for their headshots are good people. Right. Well, I always say this, when you, when you, depending on who's doing the referrals, so one thing, I don't fight for bad business because they usually hang in the same circles. So I tend to let those people go. So, yeah. so I don't yeah. fight for bad business. So it's, it's important that you mentioned that, you know, they're friends. Mm-hmm. So, you and when you curate your friends and who you hang out with and mm-hmm. you and you take notice of who they are mm-hmm. like how you mentioned earlier that you know about getting clarity when your dad passed mm-hmm. and who's around you because mm-hmm. if you're if you're around some people who are not the best people yeah they're hanging around the similar people totally and you're getting that as clients now. and and that's energy vampire right energy yeah. vampire stuff that you don't want in your work environment no you don't yeah 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 in your personal life your work environment right. no right and it's also about re- training the thinking our thinking on a daily basis to think about what we do want. Whenever we give any any energy to what we don't want, those things arrive pretty fast. They do. Because we're looking out for them on the street and there they are, you know? But if you actually really, and it takes work. I think it takes conscious work every day to think about what you want, right? Right. And how you, how you, you know, what will bring you happiness. But if you, again, set that trajectory, you can't go wrong because you'll find yourself just walking in that direction. No, you're right. Right, because I find um, when I when I when I'm thinking about something negative, right, I mm-hmm. try to figure out a way in which I can make it positive, That's as amazing. opposed to just living in that. That's that amazing, area. but I find that the percentage of people that actually do what you do is is is, is pretty minimal. Yeah, because I talk about this too. I talk about this too. And I talk about it on all my shoots, right, right? For example, and I'll find that people's eyes will widen when I say that, and I'm right. like, "This looks like it's a new concept to you," and they go, <laughs> "Yeah, it is, but it sounds great." <laughs> no, because I think I think when um, one of the things that I, I've noticed is, let's say, if something's wrong, people will tend to point out what's wrong. Yeah. Um, they won't talk about how to fix it. Right. They want to focus on what's wrong. Right. The art of complaining. That mo- yeah. Let's yeah. complain about it for a little while, and then let's. Uh, and listen, there's nothing wrong with venting to a certain point. Sure. But 
we cannot do it too often. Right. Otherwise, we're living in that little pity party for ourselves. We're living in the past. Living in the past yeah. and not getting forward. Yeah. So I have uh, two questions for you, Lev. Yeah. So I want to ask you, what would you, if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give yourself? Um, knowing everything that you know now, Yeah. what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, pay no attention to what anybody thinks of you. Really, I would say that. That's it? That's ultimate freedom. Yeah, for sure. The only things that ever ever tripped me up along the way was worrying about what someone thought. Mm. Do you have an example of, of thinking of, of um, thinking what somebody thought of you and how that, that affected you in any way? Oh, God. <laughs> um, if, you care, if you care to mention it. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> Talk about that some more while I think. Okay. So uh, what is, I, I'll give you one of my stories Good. in the meantime. Okay. Good. So when, one time of me caring about what someone thought yeah. was... I had a friend and, uh, and he was, you know, he had the latest gear and, you know, the clothes and everything. And he just had the latest of everything. Yeah. You know, like his parents, they took care of him. You know, he didn't have to want for anything. He uh -huh. didn't need, even need to work, but he worked a job. So on top of his parents giving him everything, he worked a job. So we, we worked a job and uh, I mean, he just had everything. And I had to take my money and save it to get anything. And then I was, so I was very careful with my money. So I remember just always feeling I was in this person's shadow. And then I bumped into him probably like maybe five, six years ago, seven years ago. And um, we're men. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, oh man, good to see you. We're talking. And he's like, yo, I got to show you some stuff. So we go to his house, you know, we go to his apartment and we get there. And the first thing I notice is that the place looks like really crappy, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's garbage everywhere. I'm like, all right. And he's like, Hey, Mars, it's Glenn. And like, so he lives with his mom. I'm like, not a problem, but we like 30 something. Okay. I'm like, okay. Now I'm still, I'm still trying to be like, you know, there's a reason he's taking care of his mom. You're the best. Whatever's yeah. going on. He takes me to his room. I'm like, well, what's going on in this room? So he shows me like, um, so the room is, is equally as dirty as the outside. And, um, but he opens up the closet door and it's like light comes out of the door it's like all of these like sneakers boxes <laughs> and boxes and boxes of sneakers i mean there had to be easily 100 150 pairs in this huge closet and so he's opened up and showing me like this and that and i'm like and i'm thinking to myself i don't know if he remembers this but i was never into sneakers like that i love sneakers but they're they're for my feet like i mean <laughs> i never really was um i did i did admire it when i was younger i thought yeah. oh this guy always has like the latest things and I thought it was cool. Yeah. Now, so here's what I thought of in that moment. I said to myself, look at the person that I used to idolize and I cared what this person thought. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't care at all to take me to a dirty room in his mother's house and show me endless amounts of sneakers. So I, I started questioning like, you know, when someone's outward appearance, how they look. Uh -huh. um, and it's one thing, you know, like, I don't want to look successful. I want to be successful. Yeah, yeah. So I started just like really focusing on that. And, and like, you know, and I had like this strange look in my face. I mean, we never really like met up after that, but it, it, <laughs> it definitely gave me some clarity yeah. it gave, and, and about what, um, about my life now and looking at other people, envying them or, or, or saying, oh, I, I want to have what they have, mm -hmm, not knowing mm -hmm. the full story. Right, right. So that's what I took from, from that. Right, right. God, well, that's good. <laughs> and that can really be applied also in a professional sense, which is what we're really talking about. Yeah, no, that, exactly. Yeah, sense. really. But because the only thing I could come up with when you asked me actually was on a personal level, because professionally, honestly, I, 
No joke. I've always really done what I want to do. No, but even on a personal level, I'd on a take personal a personal level. Yeah, sure. But yeah, on a personal level, I think, you know, I mean, I'm a recovering Catholic. So, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like raised Catholic, but uh-huh. you know, none of that really worked for me. It didn't work for you. Okay. Um, you know, and because um, I move with the times and that's yeah. something that doesn't really move with the times. Got it. But, you know, it'll give a kid a good moral framework or whatever. There are good things I've taken that are good, but I've left most of it behind me. And um, in that comes the word should, right? In the world of, of Catholicism and the church and everything else, not to get into this, but yeah. comes the word should, right? What we should do, right? And and I must say that I like, on, on, a, on a level of personal relationships, um, not friendships, but like, probably romantic relationships growing up, I would always move towards things I should move towards um, mm-hmm. and make choices about the should that I think my mother would be happy, my dad would be happy with this, that that kind of stuff. Understood. And that took a long time to shed. And I'm saying that took probably, you know, 30 plus years to shed. Well, look, that's very important. So even if it's in your personal life, it applies to business. I find mm-hmm. that, I find mm-hmm. that, you know, things that I would do, mm-hmm was to appease my father, mm-hmm. um, who would never be appeased. And now that I stopped looking for it, he's a big, big proponent of my movement. Like he, he's done an interview with me. He wears the hat all the time. Mm, so I mean, cool. it's so funny. And, um, and it's something that, you know, I had to get comfortable with, you know, like not looking for approval from people. Yeah. Cause like you said, it, 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 it can carry over into every little nuance of your life with yeah. relationships, with jobs whatever. Yeah. Not good. And again, you're not answering your truth. You're not answering and your truth. And you're wasting your own time. Yeah. And we have such little time here. That's exactly right. So what advice would you give to a person wanting to get into your field or a similar field of voiceover, um, being on Broadway? Like who? Because what happens, I think sometimes, like I said, people look at the the result and they look at the process. Sure. Um, so could you walk us through a bit of of things that they could look out for or... Yeah. make them a little better. I think yeah. it's kind of important um, within reason to, to be in a place of yes and to say yes to any opportunity that comes your way. Um, once you've decided on the, on the area you want to focus on, you know, learning every, every side of it. So, you know, in my teens, I was working in costuming, you know, and, and I'm lighting and directing. And in my twenties, I was working in casting for the, for Warner brothers, for, the first Harry Potter movie, because I was like, oh, I need to learn what it's like to be on the other side of the table, right? So that I just quit taking it personally when I don't get a job. I need to go and sit on the other side. And so I'd say that really just checking out every aspect of what what frames your the business you want to be in is really great. Because then you understand, like you were saying earlier, you know, the framework and the the positions people are in on the ladder. What, not that there's a ladder in what, what I do, but is at a company. The reason that a leader is a great leader is because he understands where everyone else is coming from because he's he's been there, he's right? He's done the job. It's like it's like, job, it's like yeah. when you go out to dinner with someone at a restaurant and you notice how they talk to the waitstaff and you're and like- And you were on the waitstaff before? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. yeah, so we understand, so yeah, so yeah. And you're I like, they it. don't get it. They don't get it. And they don't respect this person. And then, and then, you, and then you, you, you might take a peek at what they're doing for the tip and you're like, okay, they really don't get it, you know? Right. So I think saying yes to everything and just learning every aspect of it and for me, I have to be honest, that was really easy because I was just naturally curious about it, you know? No, and, and, and it shows because when you're curious about something and how it works, yeah, you can 
be better involved in like even where I'm doing with um like Columbia versus Toastmasters I would have never went and I don't like to be on boards I'm on a board now mm-hmm. and what I like about that is I get to see like sometimes I'm like why don't they just do this and I don't realize how, what's going on in the background I just think from my little vantage point why are they doing it this way but now you're you're seeing how policy is made how policy is ignored yeah how policy is taken advantage of and then you realize that it's not that people are taking advantage of you so much as that you don't know the rules or care about what defines the framework. Yeah, that's right. So I'm, I'm usually a person that doesn't care about how things get done, just get it done. And I realize now I need to be more concerned with how, who's making these decisions and yeah. why. Yeah. Because uh, by, by the way, on a, on a surface level, a lot of people are making these decisions off emotion yeah. about how they feel about another person. Not necessarily about who should be doing this or who should be doing that. Mm-hmm. Like who's good at counting money mm-hmm. as versus I think that's a nice person. Let's let them count the money. I'm a person nice. that's like, I'm more of like, you do the numbers, you're honest, mm-hmm. you're going to count the money. Mm-hmm. But people don't move that way. They move about emotion. So being involved in there and finding out what makes them tick totally. and how they make decisions. Yeah, personal helps. relationships. Personal relationships. Always. It comes back to that. It comes time. back to that. Personal relationships. So, if you, so now I'm no longer bypassing what I think is just like some, you know, turnkey position. Yeah. Absolutely, so, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And understanding other people, like offering them a drink of water when they walk in for the shoot, is, is oh, everything. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, to set the stage. And a little bit of fruit. <laughs> it's, it sets the stage for everything, yeah, for oh, sure. Oh, awesome. This, this has been a great, I had a great time Me talking too. with you. This thank you. Awesome. Um, can you give everyone your, um, where they can find you on social media? Yeah, and, absolutely. Yes. I think on, on Instagram, which I, I will use more, for because I know there are many listeners that love the Insta, but that, that you just find me Xanthi Elbrick photography. And and uh, my website is just xanthielbrickphotography.com. Um, my name is spelled interestingly. It's with an X. Spell out for us, please. X-A-N-T-H-E. And then E-L-B for boy, R-I-C-K. And what I'll do is I'll even put in the notes so they can, um, so wherever I post this, I will put your website and your Instagram in there so people can find you. Um, also, you want to shout out anybody, voiceover for coach, anybody. <laughs> Any any <laughs> any talent agents or scouts uh, out well, there? I have a wonderful agent at Innovative Artists, which I've had for twelve years, and they are incredible. And if you feel you really have a talent for voiceover work, you know you should definitely send your stuff to them. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, this was really amazing, and it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Glenn. It's amazing. <laughs> no, thank you for blessing us with your presence. This this was a amazing interview, and I had such a good time. Yeah. Had a great time. See you guys next time. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Nine Five Killers podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Nine Five Killers. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or loved one. Hope you're having a blessed day and keep killing those comfort zones. Until next time, peace. The 9 to 5 Killers podcast is now available for your listening pleasure on Spotify, Apple Podcast and Stitcher.